Allison. And I'm Alyssa. And this is Books Before Liquor, Never Been Sicker, where we reread the books we first read as kids and teens, again now, with our adult perspectives. And sometimes, with the help of that glorious adult juice we call liquor. First, we want to acknowledge the lands on which we are recording our podcast today. I'm currently recording on the unceded territories of the Coquitlam, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Musqueam, Squamish, Kakite, and Stolo First Nations. And I am currently recording on the lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people. And I acknowledge that the land I am on is covered by Treaty 13, signed by the Mississaugas of the Credits, and the Williams Treaty signed with the multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. Hi, and welcome to Books Before Liquor, Never Been Sicker. Today, we'll be discussing The Polar Express by Chris Van Ellsberg. And a quick content warning, we will be discussing some grown-up things surrounding Christmas, <laughs> so if you have any little ones celebrating Christmas this year listening, we recommend saving this episode till a bit later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are we drinking today? Obviously, boozy hot chocolate. Yeah, How is there not? any question? <laughs> right? Yeah, obviously. It had to be boozy hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. So I am calling my boozy hot chocolate the Polar Ice Express because <laughs> there's vodka in it, <laughs> and that is a brand of vodka. Um, there That's isn't... Fair polar ice vodka in it mine is a peppermint vodka but uh, i'm going all out today because y'all know i don't enjoy vodka so i'm doing this for the listeners oh doing it for the pod <laughs> yeah so that's fun we appreciate it. i'm drinking uh um bailey's mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. i think i've had in my fridge since last christmas so. oh my uh, doesn't expire till next year so we're oh, good. okay then you're fine oh you're i checked fine. don't worry <laughs> i checked that's good <laughs> As long as it's not um, uh, lumpy. Yeah, no, we're good. I smelt it. We checked the ex- expiration date. Perfect. It's all good. Tastes great. You're golden. I even had it last night to double check. We're good. Uh, yeah. So my first experience with the Polar Express was with the movie, which came out in 2004. And the book was probably read to me at some point, but like the bo- movie definitely had more of an impact on me. Mm-hmm. It's still today one of my favorite Christmas movies. Uh, one of my favorite traditions is to overanalyze the movie each year. I'm very excited to get into some of these overanalyzations. Um, also, another favorite Christmas tradition of mine, it is no longer, but every year my family and I, we have our set movies we watch on Christmas Eve. It's mm-hmm. A Christmas Carol, Alistair Sims' A Christmas Carol, and It's a Wonderful Life. And for a while, uh, someone would go, oh, let's watch the Polar Express, too. And I would go, we do not own the Polar Express. <laughs> and someone goes, but we watched it last year. And I'm like, we did not. We had this conversation last year. Oh and this God. went on for like a solid three, four, maybe even five years until I think I finally bought the Polar Express and was like, <laughs> now we have the Polar Express and we can watch it. What a journey. Yeah. So although I don't specifically remember reading the book as a kid, um, I would have given, like, the story of the Polar Express a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I love the movie. Yeah. yeah, I am, like, the opposite. I definitely remember having the book read to me as a kid. And the reason I know this is solely because I remembered the whole, like, oh, no, there's a hole in his pocket. But bam, <laughs> Santa gives him the belt anyway. Um, I don't think I ever watched the movie because... It did not feel familiar to me at all, and I have some adult thoughts that I need to express at some point. The theories get wilder as we go, at least for me, so hold on. Um, I probably would have rated the book like an 8 out of 10 as a kid. Uh, It was really pretty, but it was like, you know, a picture book. Uh, Mm -hmm. I cannot speak to the movie because I definitely didn't watch it as a kid. I would have been 
I would have had lots of thoughts as a kid. I'm though. not shocked you didn't watch the movie. <laughs> no, like I've that... literally never seen it before. I thought I had, but I watched it, and it's like there's no way I wouldn't have remembered this. This movie's so it fucked. Boggles my mind when I run to people that haven't watched it. That like, I've never watched Christmas, it because it no. was like such a heavily, um, like such a big movie in my family. It's mm-hmm. the same with like Wonderful Life and Christmas Carol. I'm like, how yeah. have you never seen Wonderful Life? What? That's weird. I was forced to watch it every year, and now it's like ingrained in me. I'm like, it doesn't feel like Christmas Eve until I've watched it. So Wonderful Life. Uh, let's jump into a quick summary in case you uh, haven't read the book, haven't seen the movie somehow. <laughs> somehow. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so we are introduced to our main character as he lies in bed on Christmas Eve, listening intently for Santa's sleigh bells, questioning whether he will hear them at all. Instead, he hears a train pull up on his street and goes to investigate. The conductor welcomes on him on board the Polar Express, and our hero joins a group of children all in their pajamas, and they drink hot chocolate and sing Christmas carols, and they travel to the North Pole. When they arrive at the North Pole, Santa chooses our hero boy as the recipient of the first gift of Christmas. He asks for a silver bell from Santa's sleigh. Back on the train, all the other children ask to see the bell, but it, is, it has fallen through a hole in his robe, in the pocket of his robe. Before they can go look for it, the train starts moving to bring the children home. Our hero is brought home, and he watches the train leave while the conductor wishes him a Merry Christmas. The next morning, his little sister Sarah finds a small gift for our hero far behind the presents at the back of the tree. And it's the bell from Santa's sleigh with a note reminding him to fix the hole in his pocket. The boy and his sister listen to its beautiful sound, but their parents can't hear it. Over the years, the boy's friends and even his sister can no longer hear the bell, but it never stops ringing for our special little hero boy. Yeah, so he's not named in the book. We'll get into that. Yeah, that's um, why we're calling but, him that. <laughs> yes, we're calling him Hero Boy because that's how he's credited in the film. It's Hero Boy. So so specific. I love it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so let's jump into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, we've just, it's become a thing. We start talking about the writing. Um, so being more familiar with the movie, the story seems like a little empty or yeah. like a summary yeah. of the movie plot because the movie had to expand so much on it. So much. <laughs> yeah. But like the description of the descriptions are quite lovely. I thought it was like beautifully mm-hmm. written. And um, I also like how in the author's note, Alsberg adds a little note about he was in the same place as our hero boy on Christmas Eve, kind of like starting to question the whole Santa thing. And the Polar Express came for him that night. And uh, right. it makes it feel like it was a real adventure he won- went on. And like that maybe you, the reader, will too. Because he says something and like, oh, maybe the Polar Express will come for you. Uh, seems a little ominous if you don't know what the Polar Express is, but... <laughs> Um, and I, I wonder if the book is based off of a dream he had as a child oh. that he like got to go on the train. Cause it kind of feels like something, yeah, it's a child, like dreamlike. Yeah. Yeah. That you got to go on a train that took you to meet Santa. Yeah. yeah. Isn't there, wasn't there a Christmas train around Stanley park that you could go to and then it would, I think it's still there. Santa. Is that a thing? Do they still? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's still a thing. We have a tiny Polar Express in Vancouver. We it's do. pretty cool. We did it first. I definitely sure did that when I was do. a kid. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember it, but I like know of it. I, yeah. I definitely remember doing that once, but I must've been very young. It was definitely the nineties. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I I was, I think, a little bit surprised reading this book, um, just based on how short it is. I thought, because they had made a movie of it, that it must have been a bit longer, like a novella or something. But mm-hmm. it's a picture book, like, it's extremely short. Um, mm-hmm. The descriptions, though, were really nice. Um, but as you said, it did feel a bit empty compared to the Polar Express 
movie, which is just a fucking wild vibe. Oh, it is. Um, And I think that the plot of the movie has sort of colored our generation's experience with the book, Um, even Mm -hmm. though I didn't watch the movie. I guess people had talked about it. I thought that there was more to the plot of the book than there was because of the movie. Right, yeah. Um, So I was expecting a little bit more plot-wise, but... Yeah, they the writers in the writer's room must have just been throwing out some wild ideas and they just made a collection of weird shit and s- squished it all together and turned it into What the if they end up on a frozen lake yeah. and there's a ghost on there's the train? There's a ghost man on the roof of the train having a fire who goes skiing. It's fun. Um, <laughs> caribou. So, we can add caribou. Let's add some caribou. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> it's... Um, I, I thought that the book was cute and it was pretty well written. The details mm-hmm. were really nice, um, but a bit vanilla compared to the high key drama of the movie for sure. And I know that you yeah. wanted to talk about the artwork a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I thought the artwork was stunning. It mm-hmm. is absolutely beautiful. Like the landscapes as they travel north are absolutely gorgeous. And um, I especially love uh, the design of the North Pole. Yeah. Like it feels very original, like no other stories have a north pole that looks like this but at the Mm -hmm. same time it's very classic like it's not like a oh strong choices for the north pole there it's like no like this seems like this could be how the north pole looks yeah um and clearly the the movie was heavily influenced by the book like they made a point uh to make each picture in the book into the movie or put it into the movie and it really helps i think keep the book and the movie connected and feeling like it is the same story it's not an adaptation it's like an expansion of the book oh i like that like an expanded universe type thing yeah that's that's what i really liked about it yeah i like that and and i do agree with you like my favorite thing about the book was definitely the artwork the Mm -hmm. images are really beautiful and evocative and they gave me good winter wonderland vibes uh and it did really get me in the christmas moves so good job artist um although i do want to talk about the animation of the movie uh and how it was adapted from the book but we can talk about that Mm -hmm. in a minute because I have some controversial thoughts, but yeah, I want to talk about yeah one more thing before we get into uh, a more movie discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to talk about our hero boy. Um, so and we've talked it before in other podcasts um, or other episodes about how uh, about the characters that are placeholders for the reader. Yeah, and I think the this book is the epitome of that. Like we don't even learn the main character's name. He doesn't really have any personality traits, and so children reading can really imagine themselves as this kid uh, that gets to go on this trip. And I think that's why this book is so magical. It's yeah. like, so easy to yeah. place yourself in that story. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And it a lot of kids' books are sort of that insert yourself thing, but this one is more explicitly that, as you said, because the child is unnamed. Uh, Mm -hmm. And as an adult, it's a bit boring to read a character that doesn't have a personality. But I think as a kid, it makes it so much easier to identify with it and be engaged in the story. So I think it's a good Mm -hmm. form of storytelling, especially for kids lit. And it does add to like the magic of the book and the experience being like, oh, this could happen to me. I have to say, I was also getting some mad Night Circus vibes from the mysterious train showing up to take the kid on what essentially is a secret society trip to some magical shit. Uh, yeah. So shameless plug for our first episode, the Night Circus, go listen. We were still learning. We were babies. Don't judge us too much, but go listen. (laughs) But I was getting some Night Circus vibes from the whole like train adventure situation. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, uh, doing this book, uh, also you mentioned getting yourself in the Christmas spirit, especially Mm -hmm. from the artwork. Uh, 
So we're recording this in early November, or like mid-November, uh, and I'm already full swing in the Christmas spirit oh, somehow. Because from reading this book, watching the movie, I watched another Christmas movie a week ago. I did. As I've well. been listening to music, so I'm like, you know, what? it's just Christmas. Yep. It's an early Christmas this year. In my defense, last year was not was a bit of a sad Christmas for me because it was my very first time uh, not going home for Christmas because yeah. of the pandemic, and then. Uh, I was also moving, so, like, all my memories from last Christmas were, like, packing up my stuff, sadly listening to Christmas movies, music oh. about how I wasn't going home. So I'm excited. I am going home this year, so I'm a little more excited. I'm, like, yeah. settled in my place. So, uh... Yeah. It's all good. It's a, so I am not ashamed to be fully in the Christmas spirit mid-November. Yes. All right. Shall we move on to the movie adaptation? Oh, there's so much to say. There's so much to say about all of this. I had to talk about it. Yeah. There, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot to say about the book, but there's lots to say about the movie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're doing it. Let's get into it. <laughs> okay. So before we get into our conspiracy theories, I really, really, really need to address the animation of this film because Jesus Christ, I will be having nightmares about this. So this movie came out in 2004. I get it. The animators were limited, but like, I swear the animation looked for the people, for the people's faces Mm -hmm. looked like something out of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 or like The Sims 2. Mm-hmm, it was yeah. like very early era video game to me. Uh, there's this like freaky, uncanny quality to the children's faces that just really unsettles me. Some of the animation is like hyper realistic, and other parts are just not. And it's really a confusing mix for my poor little brain to try and take in. Like the scenery was beautiful. It draws from inspiration from the artwork in the book. It's really good, but it's hard for my brain to reconcile the like creepy ass children's faces with the pretty surroundings. <laughs> That's very fair. Um, it is, yeah, as you said, important to remember, like, it was made in an era and a sort of, like, technical revolution yeah. in animation. Yeah. And But it is in that limbo stage where a lot of progress was made, but there's still a lot of progress to be made. Um, and, like, I think this will be a big debate forever about this movie. And I stand by that for the time, the animation <laughs> was revolutionary. Oh, I think Thank I think you. you're right. But you know what it reminds me of? I think why it's so uncanny is it reminds me of like when that technology sort of like for deep fakes and stuff was first coming out where, you know, you could put somebody else's face digitally on your face and like manipulate it. And it was kind of glitchy and it didn't oh, look yeah. fully natural. And that's mm. what it reminds me of. That's why it's so creepy. It's like whose face is underneath the little boy's face? Like there's something oh, going yeah. on here. Well, I mean, Tom Hanks, obviously. <laughs> Tom Hanks is underneath the little boy's <laughs> face. <laughs> we solved they had to the make mystery. it look like Tom Hanks. Oh my god. Um, yeah. yeah. So as I said earlier, <laughs> one of my favorite Christmas traditions is to overanalyze the Polar Express. I um, And I have a different topic each year. I don't know how this started. I think I just like <laughs> thought of an idea watching it one time and someone was like, it's why are you thinking about It's the inception of Allison's Wild Theories. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it truly yeah. was. Um, so I will now share some of my, my more recent discussion topics. Um, I just want to say disclaimer, I do not plan the discussion topic of the year. It's just something that comes to me <laughs> as I watch the movie. I'm just inspired by a question and then I'm bothered by it for the next year mm-hmm. until my next viewing of the Polar Express. So uh, the first one I remember is two years ago. The question was the connection between the hero boy, the conductor and the ghost. He's credited mm-hmm. as the hobo, but I don't know how I feel about the word. So we're just going to say ghost yeah. um, and Santa. 
Because I'm sure anyone who's seen the film knows Tom Hanks voices all those characters as yes, well as the does. Scrooge puppet and the father. So, yeah. like, clearly there is a reason for all of that. Yes. And um, so some theories I found on the internet say that the ghost on the train uh, represents the ghost of Christmas past because uh, the mm. hero boy has been doubtful of the magic surrounding Christmas in the past. The conductor represents the ghost of Christmas present because he's bringing the kids to see something that's actually happening simultaneously to their reality right. of that uh, of that Christmas. And Santa represents the ghost of Christmas future because after meeting him, the hero boy uh, believes in the magic of Christmas for the rest of his life. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I, yeah. I really like that theory. I mean, at first, I was unsure why the Christmas ghost was chilling on the roof of a moving train with a fire in the story. Um, honestly, right. I still am. But I think that there is something to this theory. He also, I think, represents... Um, the adult that doesn't forget about Christmas or doesn't lose the magic of Christmas. He's still tagging along. But I think it is interesting that he is like secretly riding the train with a bunch of kids to see the North Pole. It's a little weird um, because he can't let go of his childhood and the magic there. Mm -hmm. So he's stowing away on this weird childhood ride. And maybe this is also meant to sort of represent the type of adult that, that doesn't forget the magic. Um, It seems important because the main character makes a point of saying that he's the only one his age he knows that doesn't forget that Santa is real um, Mm -hmm. because he can still hear the bell. So is this his future? Is he metaphorically or literally going to be holding onto a moving train of childhood magic? Mm -hmm. Like, who knows? Just a theory. But I think that this ghost represents, like, the future of this little boy, maybe? Yeah, well, that kind of leads into another theory I found about these characters and how they connect is that um, all of like the adult characters on the train and Santa are are not really Santa, but the adult versions of the train are like older versions of the hero. Mm-hmm. So like the conductor, the ghost, Santa, uh, they all look and sound like the boy's father. And it's safe yes. to assume the boy himself may grow up to look and act like his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these older versions of the hero boy come to help him out on this particular Christmas to set him, him on the path he needs to be in life. So, like, I mean, I as a child had a theory before, as I was starting to, like, be like, wait, the Santa thing. I'm not so sure. Um, I had a theory that, like, the Santa job was, like, passed down. Like, it hasn't been the same Santa. Oh, interesting. Because like, I'm like, no one's immortal. That's dumb. Like so in the like, Santa oh, maybe Claus it's, like, movie? Yeah, like that. It's passed on to someone. So I was like, so I feel like that kind of fits into my theory of that, Mm -hmm. uh, where like he's a future Santa, maybe. And so they're, or like a reincarnation of Santa. So like like, they're putting him on the path to learning the magic of Christmas so that he grows up to like be the conductor or Santa or whoever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it is interesting because Santa does select him out of all of the kids to get the first present. So like, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? suggest about santa selecting this particular individual what's special about him Mm -hmm. so yeah i think there there's also something to that theory i like that yeah so i always like ruminating on those a little bit each year (laughs) yeah and and also sort of to speak for a second about how the conductor looks like and sounds like the our little hero kid um it is interesting because the conductor basically does everything except wink directly at the main character and tell him, hey, guy, this could be you. This could be your <laughs> right. job. Check it out. Do you want this job in the future? You're going to be the conductor. Like, or maybe there's this whole multiverse thing going on here where all of the potential futures are happening at once to him. Mm-hmm. And he is all of these characters. 
or it was all a dream. <laughs> well, it's not because he has the bell and he, he can hear bell. it ring. So clearly not. Clearly not a dream. <laughs> they but, thought this through. But I mean, maybe all of them are the little boy at different stages in his life. I don't know. Yeah. There are so many, so many know. theories. That's true. Yeah. It's, see, it's very fun to ruminate it on It is. These. Like, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so moving on to the next Allison queries about the Polar Express. Uh, so last year, my big question was the selection process of the children mm-hmm. who go on the Polar Express. Yeah, I want to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, because uh, clearly not every child gets to go on the Polar Express, because if that were true, there would be a lot more children on that plane, train, mm-hmm. first of all. Uh, the hero boy would probably know some of them, mm-hmm. and uh, we learn at the end of the film his sister and his friend, event- friend blah, 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 blah. his sister and his friends eventually stop hearing the bell ring, which yeah. we know symbolizes believing in Santa. So they clearly didn't go on the train because they didn't see Santa. Like they don't have the belief, yeah. so they're convinced that was a dream. Um, so I think the children who are selected. Uh, are kids who have a lesson to learn that can be taught by Santa or the train conductor Interesting, or yeah. something that would like benefit them in their lives. Yeah, I, I think thought. I agree with that. Like within the book, I think what it, one of the main differences between the book and the movie for me was that within the book, the kid already pretty much believes in Santa. But the Mm -hmm. whole emotional journey that our hero goes through in the movie is going from being skeptical to believing in Santa. When he finally decides to believe in him, that's when he can start hearing the bell ring. Mm -hmm. So honestly, like another low-key conspiracy, but it sort of feels like the whole journey was designed just for this one kid to believe in Santa. Because it seems like everybody else on the train already believes in him. Yeah. And they can hear the bells ringing. Like, the little girl says, oh, what a beautiful sound. And he's, like, having this existential crisis. Like, what do you mean I can't hear the Mm -hmm. bells? Yeah, because Billy can hear it, too. Yeah. Yeah, they can all hear it except this one kid. Um, So then he gets selected to receive the first gift of Christmas after he starts believing. He literally says, like, I believe. And then Santa's like, hey, you. Yeah, you. So (laughs) was this all just to serve the one purpose of converting this one child to, like, Santaism? I mean, it kind of feels that way. That's fair, yeah. Because, um, yeah, because his lesson clearly is learning to believe, and like in yeah. the movie, they have the tickets where they punch it out. So that's clearly his lesson. So that was a lesson he needed to learn was to just believe, mm-hmm. uh, and not always. And there's the line I think my favorite line in the film is, uh, um, "Seeing is believing," but sometimes the most real things in the world are something we can't see. Mm-hmm. I may have paraphrased a bit, but it's something along the lines of that. Um, yeah, because the other kids have very different lessons to learn. As you said, they already believe in Santa. So we have uh, the hero girl. Again, she's also unnamed. And her lesson is to kind of uh, uh, learn to be like confident in herself and take charge and yeah. not be afraid to be in the lead. Um, and then Billy is the lonely kid, and he learns to be able to trust others and yeah. um, that like and learns to like have friendships, basically. And then... Uh, I guess the know-it-all kid learns to, like, not be a dick or something. I, I feel know. like he didn't really learn the lesson. He was kind of the one fucking up some shit. I mean, our, our hero did the most dumb shit that fucked up oh, a yeah. lot of shit. Like, he almost killed everybody multiple times with his 
dumb shit that he did and like climbing outside the train trying to get the ticket back for the little girl just because he was like super thirsty or something like i don't really understand why he like went on this life risking journey to try and get a ticket back because well the know-it-all kid was like oh they're gonna throw her off the train but like be logical be logical don't trust the annoying kid that's his uh well that's his uh lesson is to learn and be logical and I not just guess. be a know-it-all I, guess. He d- I will say i do love that character because he has i keep saying it's my favorite line but legit <laughs> this is my favorite line i look forward to it i make sure everyone in the room is silent my whole family knows <laughs> like we all love this line is when uh he loses the bell the train starts leaves and he goes gee that's really too bad and walks away <laughs> It's yeah. so good. It's so good. And like his voice, the voice actor made such a strong choice in voicing this character like a Midwestern middle-aged man. Right. And it's so iconic. He's the only character with a voice remotely like that. And it's super weird. It's so funny. I love it. It's it's like, yeah, it's weird. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's fine. Um, anyway, that anyway, really so, um, pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the theory. Um, Yeah, my theory is that they had a lesson to learn that they could learn. And maybe it's because their journeys in life are connected to Christmas somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why they end up. That's my current theory. Um, And then this year's over analysis, not so much a theory, Mm -hmm. but um, it's uh, how the movie changes, like the main character is a placeholder for the reader. Because in the book, as I said, like, we don't know the character's name, we don't learn much about him, and we barely even see his face. Like, I think there's yeah. a couple of uh, pictures with his face in it. And um, it gives the reader as much room as possible to imagine yeah. themselves in the character's shoes. And as I said, that's part of the magic of the book. So obviously that had to change with the movie just by nature of the fact, like, we're spending an hour and a half to two hours with the hero boy, and he can't have no personality or no face. Yeah. Um like a first person film would be so strange that would be really weird yeah like that would be a choice (laughs) um so i think what the film did was uh they gave the hero boy some characteristics and uh believes that he starts within the beginning and like goes on a journey but they added the other characters that we've already talked about him that differ from him so there are more characters for kids to identify so um you might be like oh she's like me she believes in christmas but she's shy and not confident or like I'm like, Billy, Christmas doesn't work out for me. I'm lonely. I have no friends. Yeah. Or I don't believe in Santa. Like, or I'm definitely this know-it-all kid. I'm fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so there's more characters and arcs to identify with and yeah. to learn from the film. So I kind of liked how they did that, kind of made it um, more stories to take from it. Yeah, I think that the movie really opened it up for different kids to be able to identify with the characters. And this is, as you said, because you can't not see a character in the movie because they're a character in the movie. It's a different medium Mm -hmm. of storytelling and it's difficult to have them act as a placeholder personality in a movie rather than in a book. It's so much easier in a book. Um, Mm -hmm. But we need more characters to be able to identify with that aren't necessarily similar to the main character. Um, And we also need their personalities to sort of be able to bounce off the main character to have some sort of like interaction and dialogue and like issues that create Mm -hmm. a plot. So I think that they did a good job in adding sort of a diverse group of personalities to keep the the spiciness of the movie going because some wild <laughs> shit happens. Uh, definitely Fair. watch the movie if you haven't in a long time. Oh, like you gotta watch you it. You gotta watch it. Like have a drink while you watch it. Um, Boozy hot chocolate it I recommend. Yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. 
Speaking okay. of boozy hot chocolate, I don't think I've ever finished a drink while recording, and I'm like a sip away from beating oh down my, my hot goodness. chocolate. I don't Proud think I've ever you. done that. I mean, There's it's something. getting cold, so I'm like, I yeah, gotta drink it now. You have to drink hot drinks quickly. That's why I try not to do boozy hot chocolate too much when we record, but yeah. also, like, 30% of the drinks I drink for this podcast are boozy hot chocolate, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no. uh, but it's fine, because it's Christmas time now, so I'm justified. Uh, okay, <laughs> so now I have a couple of Alice in Wild theories that I want to get off my chest. So. I am so ready. <laughs> so Also, thank you like- for trademarking that in the notes. That made me really yeah. happy. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a thing. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this. I would like to share with you my uh, Narnia debate. So buckle right. up, kids. Um, this whole story is an allegory for the Christian religion. Stick with me. <laughs> okay, so our main character doesn't believe at the beginning of the movie, and then he essentially goes through a series of tests where he basically learns the true meaning of Christmas or some shit. But it's really all to get him to believe in Santa, which I think acts as a stand-in for God. The whole plot Mm. is his faith journey, and the moral of the story is to believe without seeing or without having solid proof. The bell acts as a reminder of his faith that's solidified, but he has to say that he believes before he can actually hear or receive the bell. And then when he gets older... He describes how his friends lose their belief, but he doesn't. And honestly, it felt a lot like the end of the Narnia series to me, where like the good kids get to go to heaven and poor Susan, who loses her faith as she gets older, does not get to go to heaven when their whole family dies in a train accident. A train accident, might I add. A train accident. Uh, The best part is no one cares, though. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh, Susan's not here. Ah." They're like, oh, too bad. (laughs) Cool. Poor Susan. Yeah. Um, I'm still so salty about that. Oh, yeah. I, I think we'll always be salty We, we will always be, yeah. <laughs> Poor Susan. Uh, anyway, okay, so um, also maybe the North Pole can sort of represent heaven. It's this magical, liminal, great place that they get a glimpse of, but they have to keep believing in order to go to it again. So basically, mm-hmm. is this book trying to convert you? Probably. Probably. I think that it's one big allegory for religion. <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong. I, I think you ruined the Polar Express for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's all coming back to Narnia. Like We've gone full circle. Yeah, I never really thought about it much, but like, is Santa like a sort of Christian lesson on belief? Was, mm-hmm. was that, I thought it was the Coke company came up with Santa. We all went, this is fun. Let's you know, keep doing this. Um, I, I always I thought never, it was cute. I never thought about it until I started thinking about this book, and then I was like, oh my god, is that like yeah. um, Santa's like a metaphor for children losing belief as they grow older? Yeah, I always thought uh, the Santa thing was cute, and I'm having weird feelings about it, so... Um, well, and because... Oh no! Because Santa teaches a specific brand of morality such that mm-hmm. you get rewarded for good behavior and punished for bad behavior... In, yeah, in a true. way that's very prescribed to children, like a list of commandments, one might say. <laughs> There's We could go very deep with this and maybe not today, but <laughs> I don't yeah. want to like shatter your world. <laughs> I know. I'm not really a lot of like, ruining Christmas. I really love the Polar Express. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I enjoyed watching it. So there's that. <laughs> but anyway, that was uh, one wild theory. <laughs> <laughs> Just one. There's another one. Yeah. So 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 one more theory. Our, our last big wild theory, which I think is also fairly accurate, is that 
um, the North Pole and Santa is a big cult. Santa is a cult leader. Santaism. I mentioned this earlier. We're circling back to it. So bear with me. All of the elves work and like question mark are indentured to a mysterious mythical figure who seemingly has magical powers and can perform like low-key miracles and they all live in a secret off-the-grid commune where they don't leave except like once a year when the leader is allowed to leave and they are stealing children from their homes putting them on a train and bringing them there to try and convert them to their belief it's a cult it's a christmas cult that is all thank you for your time so I'm going to add to that. Yes, please. Were we wrong about Greg Kefley? Oh. Greg Kefley, a diver being a wimpy kid. Is Greg Kefley the true future Santa? You know what? I think maybe, yes. I love that I Greg maybe. Kefley is like the most recurring theme in all of our <laughs> episodes. But honestly, like, who would have guessed? Greg Kefley is... Back the theme of humanity <laughs> you will keep that's another up. plug for our diary of a wimpy kid episode if you haven't listened to it i will die on this hill greg heffley is the ultimate cult leader in training oh yeah <laughs> yeah i, I think, think that's right. our best yeah thing we've ever yeah. come up with it's going full circle like greg is santa so there you go yeah. middle school purgatory santa who would have guessed i mean greg kind of sucks so i guess i uh, he learned his some lessons and became as less sucky and and um, to just emphasize this point a little bit, mm-hmm. we never get the main character's name. Maybe his name is Greg. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like we don't know what Greg Heffley looks like, too. We can't confirm that this isn't Greg Heffley. And like, the there's actor no way to falsify this. Kind of like falls in the same description of the hero boy in the movie. So you cannot disprove this. <laughs> They're about the Greg same age. Greg is the hero boy from the Polar Express and the future Santa Claus. It's the only explanation. We cracked the code. We did it. We finally figured out Greg's true purpose. I'm feeling really good about myself. Oh my god. It's all so good. Oh, that was good, yeah. I'm yeah. proud of ourselves for that one. Yeah, so they're, yeah, you know, Christmas is a cult. Um, they're trying to convert yeah. you. Greg is God, and uh, that's about it. Um, on that note, any last thoughts as we start to wrap this up? Okay, yeah, so... Is it just me, or is it really fucking weird that hundreds of kids travel all the way to the North Pole on a long-ass journey to see one, one kid get a present from Santa, and then they go all the way fucking back home? It's a bit strange, and if I was a kid on that ride, I'd be pretty pissed if I wasn't the one who got the present. Okay, first of all, there's like 20 kids on the train, not 100. Yeah. Um, also, but it's an experience of a lifetime, okay? Mm-hmm. You're never gonna get to meet Santa like this again, so except at the mall well they know like that's clearly not like the real santa they work for santa obviously okay so now now we're getting into the ultimate debate do the mall santas work for santa are they rogue are they like separate cult of santa like like they've branched off of regular santaism and now they're like doing their own thing like what's going on are they like the priests and santa's like the pope what's happening with the mall santas there's a conspiracy here i'm sure of it (laughs) It fits somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're like the sleeper Santa. They're just waiting Mm -hmm. to be activated. 
Oh god. Okay, I need I to know. stop. I need to be stopped. This is too much. It's gone too far. <laughs> okay, but like the train and the people on it, they kidnap the children from their homes without their yeah. parents' consent. Take them out of country. Seems fine. How do you know they're not Canadian? Okay. But Santa's like, Canadian, so we all know that. We all know um. that, obviously. But, <laughs> but like, what? Sure. It reminds me of Peter Pan in that way. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Which leads me to a fun story. One time when I was a kid, like maybe four or five, maybe six, uh, I had a dream that Peter Pan came and brought me to <gasps> Neverland, like very much like the plot of the movie. I love this. And the next morning I told my parents... And uh, that's when they had the stranger danger talk with me. <laughs> and we're like, if someone asks you to, like, go somewhere with them, uh, let mom and dad know first. And I was like, okay, even Peter Pan, they're like, yes, especially, especially if Peter someone Pan. comes up to you saying they're Peter Pan and they're taking you to Neverland, please ask mom and dad first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which now I find is a very hilarious conversation. Yeah, that's an important conversation that came up in an interesting way <laughs> i know very strange way but i'm sure they're like you know what this is a learning moment be like always ask our permission first, yeah please. but you know For what the God. there's a lot of kidnapping going on in children's stories so maybe that's yeah. meant to spark that type of conversation yeah be like so if someone comes up on a train says let's go to the north pole to meet santa don't, don't do it let mom and dad know first. don't you do it <laughs> yeah Okay, um, another thing that I just needed to bring up for like one yep. second: the puppet horror sequence and the oh, aggressive dance of waiters sequence happening right after each other. Like, what is this movie? I'm honestly a little bit glad I didn't see it as a kid because I think it would have given me nightmares. Like the puppet sequence and then the dancing waiters who move really creepily and they're just like, uh, okay, around. I can get. I agree with you with the puppets. They're creepy yeah. and it's meant to be a bit creepy. Um, but the dancing waiters, I'm so sorry. I love a good tap number. <laughs> and I also noticed this time around because of the animation, like um, they couldn't get all of their faces. So they all just look a little dead in the eyes. They look really dead. It's creepy. But also accurate <laughs> is the thing. I guess you would know. It's also fun because I've had a bunch of friends that have done like this kind of show, like on an actual train, like people buy tickets and they mm. play the tap dancing waiters. That's and I wild. just imagine that's what they look like by the last night, just dead in the eyes, like, ha, ha, yeah, we got it. Ha, ha. <laughs> also, the fact that the only lyrics in the entire song are that for like three and a half minutes. I'm sorry. Um, there's also here we only got one rule never ever let it cool. All right. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. So we have two there's lines. Two lines. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I just needed to bring that mm-hmm. up to get that off my chest. Right. Okay, one last thing on my end. Um, and it's a big one. And I've always <laughs> wanted to bring this up. And I think this is the right uh, vessel for me to have this discussion. <laughs> Santa, at least in the movie, but also like the myth of Santa, is mm-hmm. is kind of a, a voyeur. Um, but Santa in the movie literally has live video feeds of all of the kids in the world sleeping on a giant television. Now, I know, I know, he sees you when you are sleeping, okay? But if you think about that for more than two seconds, it is really sketchy. I mean, we all knew Santa was a little creepy, so like... Yeah, but like... We all have that moment of in childhood where you're like, wait, what? Wait. 
But that's weird. <laughs> but that sort of relates back to the whole like religious morality mm-hmm. thing because Santa is watching you constantly and judging you. He is like a god figure. Like Big he's, brother is watching. Yeah, he can exactly more of the conspiracies all Santa rolling Big together. Brother? Is Greg Hapley Big Brother? Oh my god. Oh my god. And and he is a big brother. <gasps> Greg Hefley, it all comes back. You know, okay, picture picture me in my office with strings of yarn and pictures of Greg <laughs> Hefley connected to each episode of that the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like that is me right now. I think Greg Hefley needs to be the mascot of our podcast at this I point. I think we need to change our cover art to just a picture of Greg Hefley. <laughs> Greg Hefley. Our merch is just going to be Greg with like cult things around him. <laughs> yeah. A lot of explanation will be needed if you go out wearing that shirt. Yeah. Like cult of Greg. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, before we go, though, I do want to share uh, the story with our listeners before we wrap up. So um, the year I was beginning to doubt the existence of Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very trying year for oh, me. Oh, no. Did I ruin this? And <laughs> no, like I was already like, I don't know. Okay. And so it was like starting to talk to my friends. And so I turned to Alyssa to confide in her listeners. And I asked Alyssa if she believed in Santa. And her response was, it's illogical, <laughs> which is the most Alyssa response ever. <laughs> from the mouths of babes yeah oh my and you God. know what? i listened to you and i was like you know what she's probably right that is so funny i do not remember this interaction but that really checks out i was like oh really? i like remember we were in yeah. my parents basement playing with lego or some shit and i was like do you believe in santa and you were just like it's illogical like so annoyed that i like hadn't wasn't on the same train as you oh my god um sorry very good oh that's all it was the year i mean something else happened later that year is the classic i was in my parents closet looking for wrapping paper and i saw Mm -hmm. battleship for my brother and then he wrapped it unwrapped it on christmas morning but it was from santa not for my Uh, parents as i thought so that happened like two weeks later so i was like okay yeah yeah Yeah, so you i never thought of it as you ruined it for me i just thought of it as a very Alyssa response (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. But, okay, so here's here's one thing. Um, we, as a society, have decided to create this elaborate lie to tell to all children who believe or celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a conspiracy, and every single adult is in on it. It's a legitimate conspiracy, an everyday feel- Christmas conspiracy. <laughs> I feel bad for the kids that uh, are surrounded by Christian kids and just can't say anything about it and just have yeah. to sit there, like, listening to all these kids be like, Santa this, Santa that, and be like, oh, my God, one day. Yeah, they're like, one day you will understand the delights of other traditions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, but, okay, the other thing is that certain parents can't let go of the whole Santa thing, and the kids are like... They understand mm-hmm. the Santa's not real and the parents are not ready to accept that their kids don't believe in Santa. This happened yeah. with my little brother where he believed a lot longer than my older brother and I did. Um, so my mom and dad like really kept it going really hard and we were like <sighs> supposed to lie to him, <laughs> you know, 
And and, uh, there was a point at which Alec fully didn't believe anymore, but was afraid to tell my mom because she was so into it. And so he, for a few more years, just pretended to believe in Santa because he's a sweet boy. Yeah. (laughs) My mom did that. But because her siblings made her, they're like, she was the youngest of four. So they're like, so you have to keep telling mom that you believe in Santa so we can keep getting Santa gifts. I think eventually her parents were like, okay, Lisa, you're too old. Like, come on. And she was like, no, I've known for a while. But like, what is it about Christmas that just makes all people who love each other be like, let's lie to each other elaborately for gifts? (laughs) Anyway. I, don't know. I mean, I love the Christmas season so fucking much. I'm the type of person who does my shopping in the summer and is decorated by like November first. Controversial, I know, but deal with it. Um, so oh, it I remember to many, many things, years but... of you texting me like the week after my birthday, which is in May, and being yeah. like, "I have your birthday gift," or "I have your Christmas gift." Yeah, and I was like, "It's not even June." <laughs> you know what? Sometimes when I'm shopping for people's birthday gifts, I happen across a nice gift I can also give them for Christmas. So I'm just. That's fair. Getting I have two bought you things stoned at once. <laughs> yeah, I have bought you things like randomly in the year because I just yeah. saw it and I was like, Alyssa would love that. Sure, I'll keep that till Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So that's fair. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, so now after all that, how would you rate the Polar Express? God. Greg went on a journey. We went on a journey. <laughs> um, Truly was. Yeah. Honestly, I enjoyed reading the book quite a lot because of the pretty pictures. It was a quick read. Um, I would probably read it to kiddos near me at Christmas time. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. an issue with it. I would say it's like probably an eight out of ten. It was like very succinct, but it, it had the you know the message that it mm-hmm. tried to convey. It conveyed it successfully. It was it was pretty. It had nice descriptions. It was fine. It was very Christmas. Um, <laughs> it, it's a kids book, yeah. But the movie that's another story. So <laughs> oh, true. What a wild dramatic piece of cinema that defies rating to me it is unrateable i can't, i don't even know where i would start if i'm rating it in terms of like wildness it's a 10 out of 10 but if i'm rating it in terms of like intelligible plot i'm going to give it like a way lower number but like i don't know i don't know <laughs> what about you um so the polar express will always have a special place in my yeah. heart um i think i'm gonna give the book a nine um i like that but uh it's just such a it's just such a lovely book. It is. Um, but the movie, as you said, like, it's priceless. I think uh, <laughs> it blows the scale wide open. Like, yeah. there's so many wild theories it can't and be entertainment by numbers. from the past. <laughs> and I look forward to many annual an- analytical discussions yeah. of the Polar Express yeah. for many, many Christmases to come. I so. might join in on this next year. I might watch it again and have some new thoughts. Oh, yeah. So we will discuss. No, please yeah. join in. <laughs> we can do a check in next year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Most people are very annoyed. By my overanalyzation of the Polar Express, and they're like, it's the fucking no, Polar Express. That's, I literally have two degrees in reading too much into things. That's <laughs> what my degree actually means. So okay. I'm here for it. Right. Here for it. Finally using my skills <laughs> to expose all of the conspiracies related to oh, Christmas. I'm ready. <laughs> Alright. Well, join us next time as we read selected books from the Magic Treehouse series by Mary Hope Osborne. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. This has been Books Before Liquor, Never Been Sicker. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Books Before Liquor and Twitter at BooksBL Podcast. And check us out on our website at BooksBeforeLiquorNeverBeenSicker.ca or email us at BooksBeforeLiquor at gmail.com to scream at us about great books or send us recommendations or whatever. We love to hear from you. 
And you can also support us by visiting patreon.com slash books before liquor never been sicker. And now go drink a big glass of water. <laughs>